When Ben was just a baby, Ben was our, our first child, so I was a brand new dad, and I was loving every minute of it. I'm serious. Like, um, even when he woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning for early breakfast and a diaper change, it was awesome. And back in those days, um, my wife Chan was a flight attendant for Delta Airlines, so she was gone for days at a time. So, uh, Ben and I had lots of time to hang out together. And I like to remind him of that, you know, just so th those times when he's wondering, like, how did I turn out to be such a good kid? Um, but there you have it. One of our favorite things to do was to go to the grocery store together. And I'd be putting Ben in his car seat or, or taking him out and I'm buckling him in. And then we would, we would rub noses, you know, and make those little googly googly noises that you do. And um, I would always end up putting the end of my big Termin nose right in his mouth. And he would bite down on the end of my nose with his gums, you know, and, and, just, and just gum it. And he loved that. So when I'm around the kids and I'm, you know, talking about the good old days and I, and I tell that story, Ben just gives me this incredulous look of disgust and like, really, Dad? Like, who does that? Well, one day, uh, Ben and I take a little road trip to Walmart, which is tractor supply now, and I'm, I'm getting him out of his car seat and we do the little rub noses thing and the the little googly noises thing, and I put the end of my big Termin nose in his mouth, and like, I, I don't know how this happened, but Ben had grown four little teeth, like right in the front of his mouth, like a, like a squirrel. And he latched down on the end of my nose and would not let go, and I was screaming. It was awful. I suppose it was his, his only way of saying, like, Dad, you've, you've crossed the line. Your behavior is entirely unacceptable. The end of my nose was dark purple. Our text for today, um, Jesus' sermon, it had some serious bite. And I wonder sometimes, what are we supposed to actually do with a sermon like this? I mean, it feels impossible. And, and to be honest, it, it kind of hits close to home, uh, these days anyway. Like, it feels like we're surrounded by enemies. Like, like hatred uh, is, is all around us. I think about all of the ways that we're divided, and there are lots of them. Uh, you think of them too, you know, like the, the, the political divisions, religious divisions, divisions because of, of race and because of gender and because of sexual identity, um, division that comes because of, of the different cultures and our, and our clashing with each other in, in those cultures, uh, socioeconomic. Uh, reasons. Um, you know, all of this stuff is, is like a breeding ground for anger and abuse and, and even violence. 
And yet in the midst of all that, Jesus says, I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Give to everyone who begs from you. If anyone takes away your coat, don't withhold your shirt. Do not ask for, for your stuff again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. New Testament scholar Susan Hyland says that Jesus is prescribing this generosity for Christians living in a hostile world. N.T. Wright calls it an absurd generosity. Like, Imagine the best thing that you can do for the worst person and then go do it. You know, it's like Jesus wants us to, to sow these seeds of generosity when, when on the surface it, it doesn't seem like there's, there's any possibility that, that anything will, will grow there. And that's kind of his expectation. The, love your enemy. <laughs> We're familiar with that sermon. Uh, I've heard it my entire life. But when I, I pause long enough to think about it, I have to start with this question. Exactly who is my enemy? My enemy. Who is your enemy? I mean, my enemy is, is often in one of those other camps. And maybe that's... Uh, the way it is for you too. Like, my enemy is against everything that I am for. And, and so sometimes I think about this other person as like, you're, it feels like you're destroying everything that's right and good. You offend me. You hurt me. And so as a result, my behavior changes. I'm more angry, um, I'm, I'm more hateful. I, I find myself um, behaving in a way that's not normal. Like, I will do things and say things that I don't normally do. And this is the thing, it's all your fault. If you weren't so messed up, then I wouldn't be so messed up, right? The problem is, is that's what my enemy is thinking too. You know, so it just feels like this, this vicious, hopeless cycle. Like how do we ever get out of this? That's one of the questions I'm asking myself these days. How do we ever find this place um, where we can be together again uh, after we're so divided? And you know, the interesting thing is, is that we can also get mad at God. Like the sermon makes us mad at God. Now, when Luke says that God is kind and merciful to um, the ungrateful and the wicked, Matthew gives a version of it like uh, God makes the sun rise on, on the good and the evil. The, the, the rain uh, will fall. God sends rain on the just and the unjust. 
and some of the parables that Jesus tells. Like it offends the, the, the crowd that was hearing the sermon. Like the, the story about the vineyard. So there's this vineyard owner and he, he needs people to work in his vineyard. And so he, he goes into the, to the market and, and uh, first thing in the morning and, and he hires a bunch of people and, and they're working in the vineyard. Well, he goes later in the day and there's more people just, you know, hanging out. And so he, he hires them in the middle of the day and, uh, and, and he, they go and work for him. And he goes like it's almost quitting time. And he goes out into the square and he finds people being idle. And it's like, hey, why don't you come work in my field? And they do. And not long after that, it's the end of the day. And everybody's gathering around to, to get their pay. And the workers that started first thing in the morning are offended. They're angry because the vineyard owner paid everybody exactly the same amount. And when they push back, the vineyard owner says, do you begrudge my generosity? Jesus tells a story about the father with the two sons. One of them, uh, well, actually both of them, but one of them as a prodigal goes, goes off and squanders stuff. It's a familiar story. The older brother is offended at the father's grace. And the father's response is, no, this is, this is the right thing to do. This party that offends you so much because your brother was dead and is now alive. Um, your brother was lost and, and, and now is found. I think that when the sermon grows teeth, it gives us hope. Now, it's, it's hard to hear, and it's even harder to do, but imagine if we and everyone around us did these things that, that Jesus tells us to do, it would be an entirely different world. It would be better for everyone Years ago, uh, Chan's brother got married here in Waynesville, and so um, the wedding uh, I officiated, it was at the, the chapel over Lake Judaluska, and the, the rehearsal dinner the night before was, was at the little shelter at Faith Methodist Church just down the road, and, and Amy's mom, my sister-in-law, her mom came from Mississippi and, and was, was here for the festivities and stayed at, at our house. And it was just a delightful visit. It was a wonderful uh, wedding weekend. And so everything's done and everybody's going home. And we get a call from Amy's mom. And um, I, I think she was at the airport. And she says, I can't find my teeth. I think I left my teeth at your house. Could you look for them? And if you find them, could you mail them to me? Well, I think Amy was mortified that her mom did that. I thought it was hilarious. And I thought it was awesome. I mean, she just called up. Hey, I think I left my teeth at your house. Could you mail them to me? It was great. I mean, she needed her teeth. We got to have our teeth. If we don't have our teeth, 
then life is just milk toast and porridge. You know, I'm not sure how we grow the kind of teeth we need to bite through this stuff that Jesus is talking about. I don't know that we have it in us. It's almost like this is going to take a miracle. And I actually think, you know, whenever you see someone really forgive somebody, whenever you see reconciliation really happen, like those stories, that feels like a miracle to me. Like, that's not really possible unless God gets involved. So when I think about how in the world is our world going to ever become a, a place not so divided, it helps me to remember what, what Paul said um, to, to the Romans in, in his letter. Uh, you remember this? He says, we know, no, 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 verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words, and God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so I just thought, you know, when I ask myself the question, what do I want us to do um, because of this sermon, because of our time together? And I thought the first thing that we need to do uh, is we need to pray. And we need to invite God's Spirit who will pray for us when we don't know how, when we don't know what to do. You know, um, just a while back, we, we spent some time with a sermon series called Hide and Seek on finding and being found. And we talked about the places where we can find God and where God shows up and where our lives become transformed. Um, our, our time of worship, our time together, is one of those, is one of those places. And so I just want to invite you um, to find a, a candle. Uh, I, I like to burn incense. Um, that's biblical, you know, like our prayers go up to heaven on, on the incense. Native Americans like to use incense. Uh, just this imagery of our prayers being lifted. Uh, we, light a, we light a candle. Uh, it, it reminds us that the Spirit of Christ is close. Um, however, however you want to uh, create a, a space at home, um, for us to pray. And, and I, I want to just um, lead us in a time of prayer. I kind of want us to, uh, to just pray our text. Um, the very first thing in, in what, what Jesus says, uh, he says, uh, I, I say to you that listen, and so I just want to invite you to, you know, just to, to be in a, a comfortable space. Maybe, um, maybe put your palms upward. Uh, that's a posture of, of receiving, of receiving all that God has for us. 
and just listen in this sacred space what do we hear when God says love your enemies ask God to to reveal this person to you or, or maybe it's, it's more than one person who is my enemy look at them see them know that they belong to God know that God is merciful that God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked and be aware of how you feel with that and invite God's Spirit to be in that place with you. Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. Imagine what that would look like. Ask God to show you one good thing that you can do to this person that hates you. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Maybe we can pray something like, Lord, bless my enemies. Help me not to curse them. Forgive me for the times I have cursed them. Help me to see them as you see them. Help me to love them, to want the best for them in the same ways I want the best for me. Jesus says, pray for those who abuse you. Ask God what it means for me to to let my enemy have the other side of my face? How can I respond without validating violence and evil? Without becoming the one throwing the punches? Jesus says when someone steals your coat, give them your shirt. But I've worked hard for my things. You know, when the, th when the thief comes, how do I not call the police? How can I possibly respond by giving more? How can I get to this place where the usurper of my possessions becomes more important to me than my ownership of those possessions? Jesus says, be merciful, because God is merciful. That I'm not to respond to hatred with my own hatred. And I, I'm not to respond in love just because I've been loved, but I'm to respond with this abundant and absurd 
crazy generosity. Because that's who God is. And so we pray, oh God, that you would hold us and transform us so that we can be like you. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name.